Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is going on, FPL managers? Welcome back. It is FPL new season and Jani and I are back to talk and discuss the top FPL point scorers in 2022-2023. It's good to be back, Jani. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Uh, having a lovely summer. Um, how are you? I mean, this is your first video back, isn't it? I've made a couple. I was on a scout Q&A with Sam not long ago. Uh, but this is your first of the season and you're now a married man. So congratulations from me and everyone watching, I'm sure. Thank you. And, um, you know, likewise, congrats to you. Uh, you became a dad over the over the break. So it's been a pretty eventful time for both of us. But the lure of FPL is too strong. We're back and to discussing the uh, the most important things in, in a... <laughs> hopefully, hopefully our wives aren't watching this. <laughs> yeah, no, mine definitely won't be. <laughs> I can guarantee that. I don't think she's ever watched any of my scout streams. And I've done probably done hundreds in the last couple of years. Doubt the commitment there. Unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway, we've got lots to discuss. Uh, we're going to talk about the best players in the game. We're going to have a look at the members area from Scout and see what the predictions are for the upcoming season. There might be some shocks there, some discussions to be had, because do we really think Salah's going to be the best player this year again? Are there any new rivals for his kingship? Jani, we're going to be talking about this for the video. It's going to be a fairly short one, guys, only about 20 minutes. So I'm going to cram all of the content into. Uh, but yes, um, if you're watching and you're liking the stuff that Scout are doing with all of the new fancy graphics, please make sure to like the video and press that subscribe button if you're new around here. But without further ado, let's get into the crux of the uh, video. And yes, we've got this table here from the members area. Top 20 predicted point scorers this season. And Salah is coming out top with 248 points predicted. Jani, I want your thoughts on this. Do you think that Salah's going to be top scorer this year? Yeah. I do. I think I think Holland will run in very, very close. I don't know, off the top of my head, has Salah been top point scorer the last, what, three in the last four seasons or something like that? Or maybe four and four? I don't know. But he tends to do it. Also, this is a season where he's had a summer off. Tick. He hasn't got a World Cup. Tick. Um, and he's arguably like we've seen peak levels from him last year the start of last season I think that's as good as we've ever seen Mo Salah I expect him again the same start of this season even without Mane the assist threat came into play last year more than ever before he was always a brilliant goal scorer but didn't get too many assists well start of last season he was getting loads of both uh, I love this chart Ted like I was just speaking to you off air like I have made it my uh let me make New Year's resolutions. My new season resolution is to spend more time in the Scout members area. And guys, if you're not already in the Scout members area because you're not a member, I can't believe how affordable it is to join. Like it's considerably less than a lot of people's patrons and the amount of data you get for this sort of stuff is crazy. So if you're not already a member, I'm sure you are if you're watching this, most probably are. But if you're not, get on it. Absolutely well said. I've lived my life in the members area for the last four or five years. So it is incredibly good value for a 
you know, a couple of quid. It's not a couple of quid. It's like 20, 25 quid for the season. You know, it's well worth the money. A couple of quid a month, though. Like, there's yeah, people that pay £10 a month on Patreon for stuff. And I bet they don't get as much as what Scout gives them. So, yeah, unbelievable. So, you know, I, I, this this chart, you know, as has designed a new template with all of the, the tables where it looks really, really good, really, really fresh. So, yeah, like the aesthetics this season. Um, but, yeah, back to the numbers. I... You know, I like your points about Salah, but do you not think that there's a kind of change in the status quo between Liverpool and City mm. at the moment? I think the loss of Mane is huge. I, I think, you know, Diaz can fill in there on left wing, but he, he kind of doesn't have that je ne sais quoi that Mane has, like that immense raw ability to get past players. You know, Diaz, don't get me wrong, he's an absolutely sensational player, but... Do you think that Liverpool have improved their squad depth from last year as opposed to City, who have arguably, you know, signed a world-class striker in Haaland? Do you mm. think City are going to score even more goals? Do you think Liverpool are going to score fewer goals? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think City will continue to be the league's top goal scorers, but they always have been, even without Haaland. What we've always seen at City is a huge spread of points. It's always been frustrating because we've never known if we should be getting on a Bernardo or a Foden or a KDB or a Grealish. Well, now we've, 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 we've finally got it. We can all just go to the guy that we think is going to score the goals for City and that's Haaland. So less of spread of points will score the most goals. I don't think we'll see a dip from Liverpool. I think they'll be very, they'll run City close, but they'll be the second best team. And sure, Mane's absence is big. But I actually think with the signing of Diaz, I don't think there's... I think Diaz does have that je ne sais quoi, but we we only saw a few months of him last year and we saw glimpses. I think this will be a big season for Diaz and I think he can definitely fill that void. Darwin, I think the jury's out, but arguably they've made their squad richer by signing Diaz and Darwin if we look at just before, uh, if we go from last January. That, would you rather Diaz and Darwin or Mane? Like they had Mane, they've now got these two. There's not much between it. Um but it's yeah. interesting. It's really interesting because, you know, we've, we've got at the start of the season, we always go, right, don't pick players from foreign leagues that yeah. have no experience of the Premier League. And I think maybe the exception here is Haaland because he is just that good. A 6.5, sorry, 6.5, 6 foot 5, <laughs> 6 foot 5, uh, just, you know, monster, really, really rapid and can just score. Goals at will. I think he will fit in very well at that in that city squad. Interesting to see to hear Tom Freeman talk about um, how he was channeling Vardy, looking at you know some of his videos and stuff like that. And it, you know it could happen. I don't think City particularly play the same way as Leicester uh, as deep. The only time that Haaland is going to be on the shoulder of the last man, like looking to run in behind, is when City have the ball at the back with with mm. Edison passing it around the defenders. Um, but arguably, City have the ball in their opponent's half more often than any other team. Yeah. So I'm not sure really that's going to be too much of a of a thing. But it's nice to see that De Bruyne and Mares, Mares had that um, relationship with Vardy, could be uh, those enablers for Haaland as well as you know the wealth of other other enablers in that squad. But back mm -hmm. to Darwin, I really think he's going to struggle to adapt to the um, to the Premier League this year. Yeah. I think he's going to be a slow starter. Absolutely. I can't believe there's people thinking about putting him in their teams. Like this guy's going to need a lot of time. Um, again, like, like with City and Harlan will need some time too. He'll be in from the off, but Darwin won't be like, depending on Jota's in fitness, maybe he will. But I expect if all are fit, Jota would start the season as the nine. Um, 
And if not, Bobby Firmino is still there. So even if Jota's out, Firmino could come in. I think Darwin will need a little bit of time. Um, he's very raw. And I think uh, Benfica were laughing all the way to the bank with that. I think he's worth good money, but I don't think they expected to ever get quite as much as they got for him. Um, so that's going to be an interesting watch for sure. But Diaz, he did come in and hit the ground running. We're often cautious about new players from new leagues. I ended the season with Diaz last year in FPL. He did really well for me. Um, I wasn't hes- hesitant because I'd seen how good he was. And and he's the very rare example of a player coming in and hitting the ground running, especially in the attacking roles. I think, um, you know, the only other player that I've really thought of, I can remember in, in recent Premier League history to do that is Bruno Fernandes. And it oh, kind wow, of just yeah. shows what a, an amazing raw talent player that this guy is. And I think Diaz probably demonstrates the same attributes. So mm-hmm. I think that's why he's a popular choice at the start of um, this season, certainly in a lot of bus teams. Uh, and that leads us on because we, we've got these, you know, high predicted point scorers here. I think the most popular picks at the moment are Salah and Haaland. A lot of people can't fit Son, De Bruyne or Kane in their team without having like three premiums and really reducing the rest of their squad depth. But mm. what's really interesting here is that Alexander-Arnold is predicted, you know, fifth among all players. And I'm guessing, because I think it's 2.6 goals, 12.6 assists, lots of clean sheets, that manifests into 192 FPL points. That's more than Harry Kane. Do we think that that's actually viable? I mean, you said earlier before the stream started that he beat Kane this year anyway, but I think Kane had an injury, didn't he, at some point? Yeah, and he started the season so badly, Kane, because it was Spurs' It was only when Conte came in did we start to see Spurs scoring goals. But Brent, that gets him 192 points. Last year he cleared 200. I think he'll go again. Like I could see Kane, uh, Trent hitting 200. I think Kane probably will as well because I think Conte's Spurs is so, so different. And Kane last year I think got around 160. So that's got him up by about 30. I'm very surprised looking at this list. There is no Jamie Vardy though. Like um, I know he had a quiet season and obviously last season's data counts for a lot when producing this, but Leicester are a team to watch for me. They didn't have, they had European football last year. Vardy can't play twice a week, every week. Well, this week he doesn't need to, this year he doesn't need to. Sure, there'll be some midweek domestic cups and some midweek Premier League, but he'll be resting in the domestic cups when when he can be. And he'll be fresh most Saturdays when they play. And I think Vardy could be really dangerous and start the season with Vardy actually allows that premium for those that are looking between two and three premiums and think three premiums is too difficult. If Vardy is one of those premiums, because he's a couple of million less than the others, it's actually doable. I'm I'm not saying I'm doing it, but it's something I have looked at. He's 9.5, isn't he, Vardy? Which yeah. I so, think... You know, I think, two million less than, than Kane, for example. If, if Kane would be premium number three, you can't squeeze him in. You probably can squeeze Vardy in. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I partly think that the forwards get a really negative attention with the predicted points because of that whole point less per goal. And the bonus points don't necessarily flock to those players. They need to score two in a game in order to get in the bonus points. So I think when we're looking at predictions, the forwards get a very negative press and the defenders get an absolute massive boost. The attacking ones especially. (laughs) Exactly. 
And the ones here, we've got Alexander-Arnold, we've got James, we've got Cancelo, we've got Robertson, we've got Chilwell down the bottom there, the top five predicted points. Their value, you look at the value on the on the right-hand side of this this table, oh, yeah. the value shoots up for these players. You know, they're, we're paying far, far less for these guys and they're still predicted to score, you know, way, way more than some of their midfield or forward counterparts. So I'm guessing, Janny, that this is why we're all going big at the back at the start of this season. But <laughs> is it really different to oh, any other season? I don't know. I don't know. Last year, looking, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Looking at what happened last year, we all should have gone big at the back last season too. And we didn't. We, more often than not, most managers watching this, let us know in the chat. I mean, there's, there's 263 of you watching. How many of you started the season with a back four or five last year? I've always started 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. This year, almost certainly, I'm starting with either a back four. No, I 100% am starting with a back four or a back five. I don't know which one it will be, but I will be invested heavier in the back line than ever before because of simply because of value yeah i think it's it's mainly because of some of the price points we're experiencing with some of these players and fpl have kind of cleverly priced them at all around eight million which yeah. is interesting because it makes us pick between some of these players so it might be good time to talk about those guys um Jesus seems to be an incredibly popular picker, eight million forward. But then we've got Mason Mount, uh, a midfielder, who's expected to predict uh, two-story score higher than maybe Kulisevsky, Mares, Diaz, Saka, which is kind of interesting. So, as a Chelsea fan, Jenny, do you see Mason Mount getting a, a boost this year? I think he'll be as consistent as he was last year. Like we forget, he just he wasn't in many of our teams last year for long periods, but he was actually did scored really well. I think he got double digits for goals and assists, like a lot of attacking returns. He'll be as as good. There has been talk of him playing a little bit deeper, like we could see him in the midfield three, and he did in the second half against Club America. He did drop into a midfield three, um, which arguably is his best role. It's hard to know with Mount because he's been played in so many positions because managers just love him. It doesn't matter if it's Frank Lampard, Tuchel or Gareth Southgate. He's in every 11 of every team he plays in. He's usually one of the first names on the team sheet. England, same again, where he has to play as a wide forward for England in a front three. Again, for Chelsea, he plays in a front three, but as an inside forward quite often. Again, he's been played in a midfield three. So his position should matter. Um, we need to know where he's going to play. Um, I think it I think it will probably be Sterling one side, Mount the other, and Havertz down the middle. But Sterling and Mount will be quite narrow because the width comes from the fullbacks. And in that role, knowing he's on all the set pieces, eight million, he's he's arguably the best of all the eight million mids. Like many will say Kulazewski and Diaz and Foden, but for consistency, and on this list, he is the highest ranked of all the eight million mids. Yeah, apparently so. I kind of can't believe it. I, you mentioned a player there who's not on this list, who I really rate this season. And like Jesus, he's moved from another Premier League club. Raheem Sterling from mm. City to Chelsea. I can't believe he's not predicted to score in the top 20 because I really think that he's he's an excellent signing for Chelsea and he'll score over 150 points easy. Last season's data has clearly been taken into consideration a lot, like quite heavy, because again, it wasn't his best year last year, was it? Yeah. The only, obviously, gripe with Sterling is he's 10 million. Very difficult to fit in. But I, I'm just making an early season prediction here that we're all going to be flocking to Sterling at some point this season. And we're going to be trying to fit in, uh, you know, those two, three premium players, yeah. Salah Halland and maybe Sterling. Yeah, well, know. he allows, like Vardy, he allows for three million because he's a bit less than the Canes and the Sons. Um, 
I like that call, Ted. I the sort of manager you are, and I know you've gone, you've owned Sterling a lot over over the years. Might you be tempted to go there game week one if if he looks sharp in the next few preseason games Chelsea play? Like his his stats do not lie. I know it seems a little bit early. I guess you need to see him scoring braces in preseason to go. Yeah, I want him, but he'll play every minute virtually when he's fit. I think the general advice when we're talking about going for someone that's against the grain but could do well is it's probably better to get on that player two game weeks late than Mm -hmm. get him in early and sit there waiting for him to do something because that can last three, four, five game weeks. And when you've you've been proven wrong and you have to sort of give up this stubbornness, you've probably wasted a lot more points than the other way around. So it's better to be on the uh, the bandwagon, as it were, rather than... Uh, well, that, that's just my point of view. You know, I, I, <laughs> there's there's so many decisions we get wrong in FPL. It's it's good to get the right, the right ones wrong um, in, the, in the right way, as it were. That, it sounds like gobbledygook, but I think... You know no, no, I, mean. I hear you. Ted, the first seven fixtures for Chelsea, uh, like, game week eight, they play Liverpool, is the first sort of tough game, really tough game. I've got Tottenham game week two, apologies. But from those first seven fixtures... I'm going to just shout out the teams I think Chelsea will score, could comfortably score two plus goals in. Everton, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Fulham. I could see two plus goals in loads of those games. That's how often how I like to pick my premiums. It's how many of those games can you see a high ceiling, a double digit return for your players. And if you think there's games where Chelsea or whatever team are only going to score one goal, you swerve those players because the ceiling's so low. But that's why we pick City and Liverpool players. City, especially for me, I pick Foden a lot because I look at the games and go, I could see City scoring 4-0 in three of those five games. Therefore, I want one of their forwards and it happens to be Foden or whatever. So it's good fixtures for Chelsea from an attacking point of view. I really am tempted. I just, it's the the 10 million. I can't have these three-miums without decimating the rest of the team. And currently, my squad is a 5-3-2, like I think most... Uh, template teams but I've managed to squeeze in two eight millions into alongside Salah and one of them is uh, Riyad Mahrez which I feel like I'm making the same mistake twice from last season Mm. because I went with Mahrez and Son over Bruno Fernandes um, who immediately punished me gave me one with a hat trick so that was particularly brutal but I genuinely think that Mahrez is a good option this year I mean who who else is rivaling him for that right wing position? Bernardo Silva? Is Foden going to play there? I think so. So last year, he didn't play there at all, Foden. He did really well. It was either him or Grealish on the left and obviously Foden false nine a lot. The year before, at the end of the season, this is from memory, I could be wrong, Foden ended the season on the right and was really, really good. That was the year they got to the Champions League final, blah, blah, blah. I think Foden will become competition for Grealish on the left and protect in competition with Mahrez on the right. I think Foden, between Grealish, Mahrez and Foden, Foden gets more minutes than the other two. He'll either be starting on the left or starting on the right, and the other one slots in. But you're right. Like, you look at it and go, there's no Sterling, there's no Jesus. So Mahrez has less competition, and he does. He still does. But Foden's getting in that 11, and he ain't getting in the 11 as the number nine anymore. Yeah, so, I mean, he could... He's very versatile, so he could yeah, slot into three. that. Yeah, yeah, the midfield three as well. Um yeah, really interesting. I don't know whether I'm going to risk it, but I quite like it at the moment. But I think it's really useful to have that 8 million price point anyway, because there seems yeah. to be a wealth of options that you can move to if one of them goes wrong. Um, but yes, I mean, 
let's let's continue down the list. Uh, we've got we've got Mason Mount. We talked about Kulisevsky. I want to chat about because obviously mm. Spurs have signed Richarlison, and I, I kind of personally think it's a bit of a strange signing because Richarlison's only really played left wing in the front two or as a, uh, a number nine. Mm-hmm. And he's never really played on the right from my memory. I might get that, might have got yeah, that wrong. Normally, but, yeah. So is he really going to rival Kulisevsky for his position? Or is Richarlison just basically going to be used as a 10-minute man at the end to give Son and Kane a rest at particular times? Yeah, like Conte's got this got this thing where he's actually going to be able to rotate for a bit now, which you yeah. need because they've got Champions League football. Like Spurs will never have had so many important fixtures. Like they'll be going for top four again, maybe going for the title. Like they're not going to win the title, but many will say they can compete. Um, and they've got Champions League and they've got a thin squad. Like they don't have a backup number nine. They don't ever, when Son or Kane are injured, no one, even half their level can come in and do a job. Well, now they've got someone that can cover all three positions. Richardson can cover Kane, can cover Son and can cover Kudelski, which means he'll probably start two, three in every five games because there's going to be so much rotation. Now, from the start of the season, I think he'll probably not start the first three games, but we'll start to see it more and more. Um, so I like, I think it's a good Conte signing because of his flexibility, can play all those roles. Although I'm with you, I haven't seen him play on the right, but number nine, he's not Brazil's number nine quite often, um, but he ain't going to play instead of Kane. And then obviously wide left, we know he likes to drift left and play in the two. So He'll be back up. And I think Kulazewski at 8 million, if you can't reach Kane and Son, but you want a Spurs attacker, for game week one against Southampton, Kulu's not a bad punt at all. Yeah, it's really difficult. I, I, I'm kind of ed- edging towards your opinion there, but it's just that nagging doubt mm. that he could get limited minutes. Lucas He'll Moore get frustrated might... if he does. Yeah, really frustrating. You, you know, you want to pick players that you know are going to play week in, week out. Yeah. But it's um, it's tough. You know, when you're opting for the likes of Mares, that goes <laughs> exactly against the uh, that philosophy. But you never know. Mares could get more minutes this year, and I think he is predicted to get more minutes. So it's very tempting. Yeah. I think Saka probably is a no, considering Jesus is such good value at eight million. Um, interesting to see Allison there, the only goalkeeper, five point yeah. five million. He's got a price decrease this season, and he's expected to score in the top twenty of all FPL players. Have you even considered Allison? I mean, the problem is, I suppose you you're losing that third Liverpool spot immediately, and that kind of makes him a non-option. Yeah, I if I'm spending five point five on a keeper, I actually prefer Edison. Because you know this, from all the charts you put together, who's got the best defence in the league? City, right? Yeah, City. Yeah, but I mean, Edison never gets any saves, does he? And um... Yeah, true. <laughs> but Alisson so... doesn't pick up more than three often either. So, I mean, I'd rather keep that third Liverpool spot free, knowing I've got Trent and Salah locked in my team, probably than the third City spot. Although saying that, I've got Cancelo and Holland locked in my team too so again I just wouldn't consider the 5.5 because the teams they play for I think the ceiling's low and I think there's really good value if you shop in the 4.5 or even Mendy at 5. Yeah I, I think Allison and Liverpool's defence was particularly leaky about um, conceding big chances and Allison had one of the best stats in the league for preventing all of these one-on-one yeah, um, so opportunities good, so that's he's probably why he's he's up there in terms of the goalkeeper predicted points but you're quite right. I think there's so many good value at the 4.5 million options this year and even Mendy at 5 million, you could go there. Um, but yeah, speaking of Chelsea defence, um, we've got James there. 
um, predicted much higher than Chilwell, yeah, his uh, left higher. wing back counterpart. So, what's your opinion on those two two guys? They're, they're both great value at six million. But if you had to pick one, who would you go for? I'm James, and I probably always have been since I both played in, in blue. Like I've, if if I'm having one, I prefer James in terms of a fan, but also in FPL points. Um, I'd be a little bit hesitant over Chilwell starting game week one and also just just playing consecutive lots of 90. Like he has had a really serious injury and even, even his pre-season training and it's since they've been in the States, a lot of that training has been away from the team and stuff. Like he's still very much in the recovery phase. Um, so whilst I really want both, I'm probably just going to start the season with James. I might start the season with Chilwell as well if there's signs that he's played a 90, say, in a preseason friendly a week before and he looked good off it and the positive comments from Tuchel came in. But I'd be a little hesitant because of his injury from last season. Uh, yeah, but at I, 6 million, I think they've both been arguably, I don't want to say underpriced because I, I like that FPL have done this, but they're bargains. <laughs> if they're fit and firing, no two defenders in the league arguably are as attacking and get forward as much as those two. They are wide forwards in the two cool front five, back five system. And there's so many bargains in defence. It's just which ones do you pick? It's yeah. un- unbelievably difficult. But I just always remember the, the Chilwell and James uh, double up at some point during <laughs> last season. And before Chilwell got injured, they just went off on one and were like left wingers and right wingers and started scoring goals on at will it was crazy so if they can get back to that Johnny, it'd be insane we'll all be flocking to them i'm just looking at chilwell's points from last year oh i know i can't see it yeah he only got he only played like 541 minutes so he only had like six seven games but in that time yeah 55 points like his points per game numbers he pretty much got 10 points for every game he played like i think he was on nine points per start or something like more than any other player in the game pretty much yeah absolutely bonkers value but yeah i think he's more of a punt in in um in terms of we have hadn't had that experience the the amount of minutes that james has played the versatility of James, you know, if, if he can whip balls into Sterling, you know, creeping in at that back post, then James probably slightly sneaks it for me. But I think both are great options. So I just want to mention in terms of left back cover, currently with Chelsea is Alonso and Emerson. One will probably leave, but there was a Euro 2020 winner in Emerson and Alonso who finished the season well despite not being Tuchel's favourite. So he hasn't got a rush chill well. He's got two good options there. Reese James at right wing back as he's going to play right centre-back more often than not, Reese James is kind of the only out-and-out right wing-back at the club. Um, Hudson-Odoi can play there. Kennedy played there against Club America. But Reese is like, he he's fit and he's ready. He will be way more guaranteed in terms of starts early on. Yeah, really good point there. Uh, squad depth and rotation risk is definitely a, a poignant subject. So yeah. definitely worth investigating that if you're in looking at a particular player. The guy that I'm looking at, uh, Doherty, from Spurs, oh, yeah. like, we remember like how how good he was. He's only five million. You yeah, know, a lot of people focusing He's... on Perisic at five point five. Does Doherty <laughs> provide a little bit more value? Especially... He's in my team at the moment. Is he? Same. Yeah. Interesting. I've, I've got both the Spurs lads in. Oh. Yeah, Doherty yeah. and Perisic. I think they're both exceptional value. I just need to know that. I need to know Perisic is fit. So he'll probably end up coming out. But Doherty, yeah, he can play right or left. End the season well and five million. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he stays fit and stuff. But this is exactly the same point you were making about squad depth. Who is rivaling Doherty for that position at right wing back? Whereas you've got 
Sessignon, you've got um, Regulon, and you've got even Lucas Moura, who Conte's been saying, yeah, can play wing back at some point. Who knows whether that's going to happen? Yeah. But Perisic certainly has some, um, what's the word, challenge for that position, and he might not get all of the games. I think he will be yeah. first choice. But Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. And on need- right wing back, they've signed Jed Spence, which is great, but he ain't going to start the season. Like this guy... For Conte teams, you need a lot of time on the grass. Like Conte needs to drill you. You need to be of a certain fitness. Like this guy's missed their Korean tour, Jed Spence. The season starts in three weeks less than. He's not starting game week one. He's not ready. He'll need a few weeks to bed in. Do you think he can play right wing back? Because he's in the past played right mid um, from my perspective, limited perspective. So yeah, I no, I think at Forest he was wing back because they played a back five. So it was a, it, it's it's tailor-made for him if you like but again Conte's wing-backs are often very different to wing-backs at other clubs um, it's a front five back five system same as Tuchel right. so I think I think Spence is is, and Emerson Real is still at the club but again I think he might be sold I don't I don't think he's flavour of the month oh he, he doesn't come close yeah. to Doherty in yeah. his recent form so yeah that's interesting actually I didn't know about Jed Spence this is where my knowledge of promoted team falls down but um, yeah, definitely one to keep a note on. Maybe starting the season with Doherty until maybe wild card in game week six or game yeah. week seven might be a decent move. Yeah. But yeah, let's get back to the chart. And um, the one team we haven't really discussed so far is Man United. And, you know, there's a lot of persecution with how they did last season. But a lot of their players, other than Fernandez and Ronaldo, are priced quite reasonably. And there's a lot of attention pre-season on Rashford at yeah. 6.5. You know, we're not going to be talking about Rashford getting in the top 20, you know, highest point scorers. But there is some glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel, Jenny. Have you ever considered Rashford at 6.5? If I think he's going to start game week one, and I think and United haven't signed another wide forward, then I think I could... Wouldn't be surprised if he's in and around. He'll certainly be on my, on my watch list because it's incredible value for a guy we know has got some previous. Many will say he's priced way too cheap and he kind of is. But at the same time, the Rashford we've seen in the last 24 months ain't worth any more than 6.5. He's been terrible. United have been terrible. But this is going to be a very different United, I think. And the manager's the best they've had since Fergie, arguably. Well, the Mourinho might beg to differ, um, which would be fair. But... If Rashford is a starter, he's incredible value in a front three, wide left, whatever. But I don't think he will be if they sign someone. And they've been linked with Anthony, who's a winger from Ajax, who Ten Hag obviously really wants. And if if they sign him, it'll be him one side, Sancho the other. And then Rashford's nowhere near. But again, who's going to be the number nine? Martial's been playing their pre-season, but maybe Rashford gets to go there too. So of all the United assets, him and Sancho are the two I'm, I'm kind of watching closely. But... I'm not sold. I need to see this manager more and I need to see him then play Premier League football more. Yeah, 100%. I, I think they would uh, describe it in NFL fantasy as a sleeper pick. You know, yes. I think Rashford has hit bottom in terms of expectation and all he can do is exceed that expectation this year. And at 6.5, he tremendous value if he starts getting on the score sheet now and then. So, you know, when you compare via the likes of Ward Prowse, who's also 6.5 million, Martinelli yeah. at six, who could be a bargain, but we don't yeah. know whether he's assured of minutes. And then down to Neto at 5.5, massive divide in the community about whether he's good value or not. Rashford mm. could be a decent pick, just a million more than Neto, and from a you know a top six historical FPL side. So yeah. 
Um, yeah, one to keep an eye on. But Fernandez and Ronaldo, I think, are just a little bit too expensive to go for, certainly early season, with, with the wealth of other options here. So let's finish the video, Janny, by... I want your top three Ooh. FPL point scorers <laughs> this year. You said Salah's going to come out top for you. Yeah. Um, but who are the next two? I think Haaland. And then I'm torn for number three of either Kane... I think Kane's going to have a worldy season again. Like he's chasing Jimmy Greaves' record, which he'll get this year. I think he's got to get 20 something league goals, um, all time Spurs top goal scorer in the league. Um, so it'd be Salah, Holland, and then Kane or KDB, because I just think KDB assist threat to Haw knowing they've got this, this, this incredible goal scorer now I think KDB assists are just going to shoot up because him and Haaland will link so well but I'm going to go Kane because I think Conte's attack deserves that level of respect that I've gone for the three best attacking teams in the league and their best attacking player Liverpool City and Spurs from a Chelsea fan it's tough to say but they're the premiums they're the standouts yeah, KDB someone we haven't really mentioned so far but yes he definitely could enhance that assist potential over the course of the season, we will recognise striker and um, Holland will definitely get amongst the goals. So yeah, De Bruyne could be one we're sleeping on. 12 million is quite a lot to pay just from yeah. the initial outset. But, you know, we could end up shifting when City get a period of good fixtures and Salah maybe doesn't. So yeah, an interesting one to hit and shift on. But yeah, I like those picks. I think it would be very close between Kane and Son. I think Son definitely gets rewarded just because of those midfielder goal, mm. um, extra points and the clean sheet points as well. Maybe that's enough to just pip Kane to the post, but both players definitely vying for it. I actually controversially think Haaland will be highest scorer this season. Nice. Um, I, I'm just going to go for it. I, I, I would think love that. He, it would make it a bit different if it wasn't just all Salah captain every week, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think City look absolutely phenomenal in term, on paper at least. And um, he's a beast, Harlan. I, I would not expect, I, sorry, I would not be surprised if he got 25 plus goals this season. And then Salah, maybe close behind, who has a sort of mediocre season by his own expectations, which is still, you know, pheno a phenomenal season. But I, can't, I just have a feeling that he's not going to quite get there. So interesting one. I, I think maybe Son and Kane close behind I can't really pick one I probably son but it's gonna be a really interesting season Janny how do we fit all of these premiums in um at different points of the season gonna be really difficult there's more good premiums that we want arguably than ever before because we you know we're not even looking at the Vardys and the KDBs of this world and 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 Sterlings and arguably we should be so yeah tough year Tough year to be planning. And many will say it's easy because the prices were generous, but you you get on the wrong premium and you stay loyal to that premium for too long and it will cost you. So yeah. don't. I, I'm not going to be scared to move those premiums around if I need to, I don't think. I think I'll be quite, uh, quite risk averse with that if I have to be. Um, and again, maybe I need to leave 0.5 in the bank because there's going to be price rises on them as well. Oh, it's bait in my life. Every, every game week two, there's always yeah. something you're priced out of. Um, you don't want to have to be making moves on a Monday night in game week two out of fear of missing a price rise, but you're wanting that player. Like, yeah, no, early absolutely. transfers, like we stopped doing them in the COVID seasons and it was lovely. It was lovely. Like, but I feel like next season we'll probably be back into the early transfers to beat price rises, which which isn't great. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky obstacle to 
to navigate. But yeah, point, leaving 0.5 in the bank isn't the worst idea in the world at all. And I just want to address just a couple of things in the chat. Um, I'm not saying go without Salah. I'm just saying that I think Haaland is going to massively exceed expectations here. So I think both of them, you know, the template is massively powerful at the moment. Salah and Haaland are heavily, heavily owned. Yeah. I think both of them are absolute musts. Um, and uh, someone was asking me who I support. I'm a Liverpool fan, which is probably why I'm being a little bit harsh on Salah. You know, it, it's But at the same time, your point on that and the loss of Mane is incredibly welcome and worth acknowledging. You know, it could happen. It could not make a blind bit of difference and the signings could, you know, be absolutely fine. But I think it's definitely a poignant approach to say they're probably not going to score that much compared to last year. You know, maybe five to ten goals fewer. That's probably what I would anticipate. And likewise, sorry, contrast wise, um, City to score maybe five to ten goals more, which is mm. remarkable considering they, they score close to 100 goals a season. Yeah. Yeah. So watch no, this space. I, I appreciate your view there. And likewise, the, the Mane thing, like as, as a non-Liverpool fan, it's very easy for me to say, as I did earlier this stream, that, oh, you know, Diaz and Darwin with the extra strength maybe can counter that that loss of Mane. But from someone like you that supports Mane week in, week out and has done for a long time, you probably appreciate his values more than I do. Like many, many Liverpool fans will tell you as important to that team as Salah pretty much. Give, and, and I probably don't fully appreciate that as a non-Liverpool fan. Just the, the fact that Mane is so good at shifting the ball, um, that, that acceleration creates so many opportunities. Mm. And his assist potential, particularly to Salah, is definitely undervalued. And I think we're going to yeah. miss that this year. So, yeah, from my perspective, I'm a little bit glum. But yeah. hopefully Luis Diaz steps up to the plate and hopefully Nunes does exactly the same. You know, we've got strength and depth of Jota and even Firmino. I think it's Firmino still there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's been a good discussion, Janny. We'll leave it there, mate. Um, we didn't want it to be a too long. We've definitely run over <laughs> what the expectation was. But it's been a good, good. Comp comprehensive discussion anyway. So thank you very much for joining and hopefully we'll get another video in before the start of the season. Best of luck to you and look forward to hearing more about your drafts. Thanks, mate. Okay, all the best, guys. See you later.